Welcome to this week's podcast from Oceans Church in Orange County. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. For more information, please visit our website at theoceanschurch.com. Brand new to church today. Big welcome. Um, we welcome those people too. But uh, we want to also welcome those that are maybe atheist or agnostic. Maybe you grew up hating church or maybe never had a good experience with Christians. I just want to apologize. If you've had a bad experience with a church or with a Christian, you know, sometimes religious people are like the South Pole. The South Pole is clean. It's the cleanest place on the earth. There is no germs that can survive in the South Pole. It's too cold. But also, it's so clean that it's so cold that no one wants to go visit. And I think sometimes people that are just religious are clean, but they're cold. And we want to be a church that's warm. Amen? You don't see people lining up on the 747s to fly to Antarctica. <laughs> but they'll go to Hawaii. And so uh, I want to say a big welcome to everybody today. Uh, you know, most reasons uh, why people don't like church, top three was it's boring, the people are judgmental, and you learn stuff that has nothing to do with life. And I just want you to know there are some boring churches, there are some judgmental Christians, and there are churches that teach you things that really are answering questions that nobody is asking. But our goal here at Oceans Church is not to be boring, to be welcoming to everybody. Come on, someone say everybody for the youngsters. And we also want to be a church that doesn't just share God's word for Sunday morning, but gives you a message that feeds you for the entire week. Amen? So we're going to open up the Bible today. If you're brand new to our church, if you're watching online, again, thank you for sharing this message. But today, I want you to open up to the book of Job, or, or Jonah, Jonah. Some of you are like, oh, I need to get a job. Um, go to Jonah with me. And uh, we're going to go to Jonah. I've been in a series the last couple of weeks on revival. Revival is when you come alive spiritually. It's when your heart begins to connect with God in ways that you've never connected with God. Hey, out of the gate this morning, can we all agree that you're either getting closer to Jesus or you're drifting further away? Can I reel everybody in today? Come on, everyone look at me for a second. Show me that good-looking face of yours real quick. Can we all agree that this would be a great day to get closer to God? Anybody say today, I want to get closer to God. Which, raise your hand real quick. Come on, awesome. We're in the right place. Well, we're going to open up our Bibles. I'm going to read about 20 verses out of the book of Jonah. And uh, I want to talk to you a little bit about the idea. Three weeks ago, I talked about how revival is when God gets us up. Two weeks ago, we talked about how his revival is when God actually causes us to stand up. And today, I want to talk to you about this idea that we get from Jonah's life about revival happens when we begin to move up. Today, I want to talk to you this morning on the subject title, Moving. Sit with me, Moving. Moving. If you have your Bible, the book of Jonah is where we're turning, page 763. If you're there, say amen. I'm going to read a... I want to give a shout out. My friends Katie and Jesse got baptized this week. Got the baptism in San Clemente. Love all of our Talega families. Any Talega families in the house today? Talega, okay. Oh, in the back, I see you in the back. Come on, I see you. Awesome. Well, you quiet people in Talega. You got your Bible? Uh, I want to uh, jump in this morning. Uh, again, talk to you about moving. Uh, by the way, you're stuck with us. We officially bought a house. It's a three-bedroom, cardboard box, 20 grand a month. Come on, somebody. Okay. No, we're excited. We, uh, we're putting down some roots here, so you're stuck with us. And I'm uh, just so grateful for what God's done in our lives and our family, the church. It's amazing. We actually, it's just crazy to think that getting a new building, a new house, I just feel like God is doing something special in this season. So uh, today, if you're brand new to our church, uh, I'm going to read these 20 verses. I'm going to pray. I'm going to tell a couple stories. If you laugh, we'll call them jokes. Uh, if you don't laugh, we'll call you a bad crowd. And um, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Tough crowd. Uh, and we're going to have a good time today. You know, my favorite preachers are those that can share God's truth and his word with accuracy, but also can keep your attention. And so today, uh, you know, it's funny. I think sometimes in the church, we go to services that we dread, but we go to movies that we love. I thought, man, if we had the best news on the earth, shouldn't we, like, be excited about it? convicting to me that Hollywood tells lies better than the church tells the truth. But we want to be a church that keeps people engaged. Everyone said amen. All right. Acts, uh, Jonah chapter, chapter one. It says the word of the Lord came to a guy named Jonah. Say with me, Jonah, son of Amittai, saying, arise and go to Nineveh, that great city. Say Nineveh, 
that great city. It was a great city, almost 60 miles in diameter, had about 150-foot walls around it, very affluent, very brutal. These people sacrificed children, tortured people. They would make Nazi Germany look like the Partridge family, and these people were, they were diabolical, probably some of the most wicked people of any people group to ever walk the earth, these Assyrians. And it says that God calls a man named Jonah to go to this wicked city, and he says, because their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah heard the message from God, and he fled to Tarshish. Say it with me, Tarshish. If you have a lisp, that one's tricky. From the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa. He found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid. He paid. Did he ever pay the fare? Believe that whenever you go the opposite direction God's asking you to go, you'll pay. He paid. He went down. He went with them to Tarshish in the presence, from the presence of the Lord. But even though Jonah had a but, so did the Lord. It says, but the Lord. But the Lord sent a great wind on the sea. There was a mighty tempest on the sea so that the ship began to be broken up. The mariners were freaking out. Saddleback was freaking out. <laughs> Those church jokes, Orange County. The uh, tough crowd. It's amazing. There was uh, these skilled fishermen. They were, they were freaking out. It was a scary storm. They knew what a dangerous storm looked like. They said, everybody call out to your God. They're polytheistic. They worship different deities. And they find Jonah, like Jesus in Mark chapter 4, sleeping in the bottom of the boat. They say, wake up, sleeper. Call on your God. Perhaps your God will answer us. They draw straws. They cast lots. That lot falls on Jonah. I'm paraphrasing a few verses here. And he says, I'm on the run. I'm a fugitive. I've actually gone the opposite direction with my life than God has asked me. They said, well, what do we do? And like Mark chapter 4, Jonah knew what would calm the storm. He said, throw me overboard. These guys are like, we're not going to do that. They said, no, throw me overboard, and the storm will stop. Can I just get your attention for a minute? Some of you are in a storm because of the people you have on your boat. I felt like the Lord wanted me to tell you that it's amazing how some storms are inflicted by people that we let into our boat that should not be aboard. They get rid of Jonah, and all of a sudden, blue skies. It goes calm. Verse 15 of chapter 1, it says that they actually... They actually, uh, they threw him overboard, the sea ceased. They feared the Lord, and they actually began to worship and offer sacrifices to Yahweh. They didn't just sacrifice to any God. They sacrificed, the word Lord is the word Yahweh in the Hebrew language. That is the covenantal name of God, which shows us that these, these pagan sailors became believers in Yahweh because of Jonah's disobedience amazing how big God is. Let's keep reading here. So it says in verse 1 of chapter 2 that, that the Lord, excuse me, verse 17 says, now the Lord prepared. Say it with me, prepared. Probably one of the most important words in all of the book of Jonah. Say it with me, prepared. He prepared a great fish. Preacher, if you're getting ready to tell me that you believe that a man got swallowed by a fish and survived three days and three nights and was spit upon the shore, I don't know if I can stick around. Let me just tell you this. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12, as Jonah was in the belly of the well for three days and three nights, so will the Son of Man. If Jesus can get behind the story, I can get behind the story. And I have found that if you can, if you can buy into the first 10 words of Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. rest of the Bible is pretty easy to believe. You still with me? Says that God prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah. Jonah was the original chicken of the sea. Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days, three nights. And from the belly of the fish begins to pray of something very reminiscent of Psalms 139. Cries out to the Lord, comes to himself. The, the, the fish spits him ashore. In chapter 3, verse 1, I'm going to almost finish this up this morning. And the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Say it with me, a second time. Is there anyone in the room that's known God long enough to know that he's the God of second chances? Came to him a second time. And it said, arise, go to the same city, great city of Nineveh. Preach the message that I tell you. 
Jonah got up and he went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, a three days journey in extent. Jonah began to enter the city on the first day and walked. And then he cried out and said, hey, 40 days from now, this place is going down. He says, this place will be no more. It'll be overthrown. So the people of Nineveh, this is one of my favorite verses in the whole book. The people of Nineveh, which people? All the people. God can do it in Nineveh. What could he do in Orange County? Heard a word from a prophet. And all the people believed God. Proclaimed a fast. Put on sackcloth. From the least to the greatest. From the greatest to the least. What would it look like if Orange County was revived from the homeless man on the streets to the man in the mansion? From the least to the greatest. And it says, then the word of the Lord came to Nineveh. And he arose, and it says, the king himself came off of his throne, laid aside his robe, covered himself with sackcloth and ashes, and he caused a proclamation and published it throughout all the city of Nineveh. By the decree of the king saying to everybody, hey, everyone, don't eat, don't drink, put on ashes, sackcloth. He says, for perhaps the Lord will relent. And it says in verse 10 that God saw their actions. When he saw their actions, he actually responded. And it says in verse 4, chapter 4, you guys ready to go? Almost finished. But as God had mercy on Nineveh, Jonah was displeased. I want you to imagine being a Jew in New York City in World War II and God giving you orders to go to Germany and to preach the message to Hitler and to the Nazis. That would be a very similar paradigm to his hesitancy and his reluctancy to go to Nineveh. Are you with me still? So John was upset, quite frankly, at the mercy of God. He said, God, I knew, I, I knew back in my own country what you were going to do. Uh, and that's why I went to Tarshish. I know that you are a gracious God, a merciful God, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness, one who relents in doing harm. Therefore now, O oh Lord, please take my life, for it's better for me to die than to live. This guy was an emotional prophet. The Lord's like, is it right for you to be angry? He's like, yeah, it's right for me to be angry. He's all upset. But it says in verse 6, the Lord prepared a plant. Say it with me, a plant. He prepared a plant. Almost finished. Prepared a plant. And it says it came over Jonah's head that he might be shaded from the heat to deliver him from his misery. So Jonah was very grateful for the plant. The only thing the guy is happy about is a plant survives a storm, lives in a fish, changes a city, but he's excited about a plant. And it says that he was grateful. But in the morning, dawn, the next day, the God prepared a worm. The word damaged the plant. Plant diminished. Jonah freaks out even more. Then God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? He's like, yeah, it's right for me to be angry, even to death. God said, have you had pity on a plant that you did not labor, did not grow it, which came up in the night and perished in the night. Should I not therefore have pity on Nineveh, this great city in which is more than 120,000 persons who cannot discern between their right hand and their left? They even have a lot of livestock. And it finishes after 48 verses. I want to pray. I want to talk to you this morning on the subject matter, moving. Are you guys ready? Father, I pray you would bless Oceans Church. We love you so much. Have your way today. Heal, speak, restore, deliver, and send a cool breeze to bless us. In Jesus' name, God's people said amen. 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 Can we agree as human beings that there's few things worse in life than moving? Well, I guess no one's moved in Orange County. I think that hell's mascot could be U-Haul. You're going to see, there'll be ads in hell sponsored by U-Haul. Kidding, kidding. That's a bad joke. But uh, I don't know. I've had to move a couple of times now. I think that moving is so, uh, so painful at times. So I've met people that go, look, I want to live somewhere else. I just don't want to move. I don't like where I'm living. I just don't want to move. I've moved uh, a couple of times now. This will be hopefully my final move for a while. And uh, it's amazing, man. This whole week I was in U-Haul trucks. I don't know why U-Haul can't make a truck that's air-conditioned. I've yet to find a U-Haul truck that was made uh, since we've landed on the moon. 
I, I, I'll be honest, the U-Haul, I've never, I've never seen a U-Haul truck that has power windows. My 13, true story, my 13-year-old daughter said, Mark, Dad, what, how do you roll the windows down? <laughs> Thanks, U-Haul. My daughter did not want a tape deck look like. Thanks, U-Haul. I've never driven a U-Haul truck that has less than a quarter million miles on it. And what blows me away is they sell their old trucks. Who's buying the old trucks of U-Haul? I think it's people that have a lot of tapes. I don't know if you've experienced their charging. If you use the blanket in the back of the U-Haul truck, it is the same price as the blanket in the emergency room. $400 to use that blanket. I was moving this week, and I was just thinking to myself, my gosh, moving is painful. It's exhausting. It's tiring. I think that, man, hell could be moving strangers for eternity. It's like pulling refrigerators. It's pushing washers and dryers. It's, 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 it's Jimmy in boxes in and out of doorways. Uh, everything is exhausting about moving. Even getting the dumb ramp out of the back of the truck. U-Haul, can you please make it out of aluminum? Thing is made out of hand-carved iron. 14 tons. Throwing your back out trying to get the ramp out. I don't know. This week I was uh, a little bit fired up. I went to U-Haul, kind of had a bad experience. They're not very organized. Can we just encourage Chick-fil-A to get involved with U-Haul? Like, look, uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure who's in charge here. But if you can maybe meet some of the people at Chick-fil-A, I can help you out. I'm convinced the only people that U-Haul hire here in California are ex-DMV employees. That's who they're hi- Like, people that are too rude for the DMV, they hire at U-Haul. Anyways, I'll stop. Say with me, moving. <laughs> I'm going somewhere. Say with me, moving. Lord, help me. I'm still dealing with some confessions of a pastor. <laughs> moving. I, uh, I was moving this week, and I was thinking about how, you know, the only reason we actually endure the process of moving is because of the joy that's on the other side. I was thinking as human beings that one of the greatest ways for us to learn is oftentimes by a reward on the other side. Some people say, well, I don't think God wants to reward anybody. Well, the Bible says that God is a rewarder of those that diligently... It actually says that Jesus was motivated by reward. Do you know what it says in Hebrews? For the joy that was set before him, Jesus endured the cross. God himself was motivated by the reward on the other side of the move. I was thinking about how Jonah is a great depiction of, of, of what it takes to experience revival and spiritual awakening occurs oftentimes on the other side of a move. Jonah's a story about a young Hebrew guy. Well, maybe he wasn't very young. He was getting blasted by the sun, so he was probably bald. But we know the story of Jonah was that he was someone that was reluctant to go to Nineveh. Nineveh was a big city. Scholars say about 600,000 people in population. But greater than the Great Reformation, greater than the Great Awakening, more significant than even Billy Graham Crusades at Madison Square Garden, where they had 5 to 10% of the room become believers in Jesus Christ. Nineveh is the only story in history that the entirety of the city became believers. The entirety of the city Turn to God. No other story in history do we read about 100% of population coming to, to, to this point of believing. I love Jonah because God would use a dysfunctional, rebellious, defiant prophet to reach a dysfunctional, defiant, rebellious city. I am convinced that God can use broken people to reach broken people. God can reach blessed people to reach blessed people. God can reach, are you hearing me today? God is a specialist at finding people that no one else wants to reach and sending someone that did not want to go reach them. If you were to boil down the book of Jonah, four chapters, 48 verses, and the three ideas, it deals with the whole of revival. Revival is like the book of Jonah. It's about grace, it's about race, and it's about mission. Help me out. Come on, church. It's about grace. It's about race. It's about mission. Help me out. Help me out. It's about what? It's about, it's about Jonah in four chapters dissects what it takes to see a city turn to God. How does a city turn to God? Well, 
The story of Nineveh is a story of a preacher that should have never, should have never arrived. Think about this. If there was only one person to save Orange County, think about if that person no, it never showed up because they died in their defiance to God's command. Jonah is a guy that actually ushered in a revival that shook a region that should have never arrived. What got Jonah to the shores of Joppa? What got him to the shores of Joppa was the grace of God. And today I'm convinced there's only four types of movers. There's movers today in this tent like Jonah. Jonah was a mover in all four of these categories. My heart for Ocean's Church is that we land in category number four. Four types of movers. There are people today that are moving from God. Say with me, from God. I, I'm convinced if you want to do anything great with your life, anything that has eternal consequence, you have to make up your mind today, friends, to go, look, I am done going from God. What do you mean from God? I mean some of you know moments of your life that God said, go to camp. Start getting involved in a small group. Join that church. Start tithing. Go back to your wife. Forgive your husband. Get rid of that, that greed. There was times that God told you to go right, and you're like, no, I'm going left. And I'll be honest with you, you'll never live in the blessing of God as you're, if you're disregarding his voice. Jonah understood really, really clearly when God said, I want you to go to Nineveh, he went to Tarshish. Scholars say that is the furthest you could go. Nineveh was north Iraq. Tarshish was either, they said, they speculate it was either the south of Spain or it was north Africa. He went as far away from God's call as he could get. Some of you today, if you're being honest, you go, Mark, if you, were to, if, if you knew me personally, you would say that I am as far away from what God made me to do as I could get. Well, the good news is, friend, if you're really far away, if you're in the nosebleed seats from God's plan, here's the good news. God prepared a fish. What a thought. He was a big fish. I'm no zoologist, but I know this. Big fish don't get f big overnight. Big fish take time to get big. Don't big... Right? Can I get an amen from a zoologist? <laughs> big fish take a long time to get big, which tells us this, that before Jonah made up his mind to, just, to, to ignore God's plan, God already had in mind a plan to get him back. Why would you sing with a bad voice? I'll tell you why. Because God is the God that, that sent me a fish. I worship a God that before I made up my mind to disobey, he made up his mind to send a fish. Only four types of movers. There's people moving from God, but if you're moving from God today, I got good news. God's got a fish. God had already planned the way that he could get you back in the middle of his perfect will. God is a God that is passionate about all of his kids. Some are like, no, Mark, God only likes like Christian people. No, God loves his kids. Some are like, well, Mark, God only loves, he only loves his kids that listen to Christian music. No, God loves all of his kids. That would be like you having six kids, and one of your kids was listening to the country station. One of your kids was listening to, come on, rock and roll station. One of your kids was listening to uh, R&B station. And one of them was listening to, come on, to the fish. No pun intended. It's a fishy station. Come on. One. <laughs> I have a story. I'll keep going. It was crazy. Think about how crazy it would be if, if I asked you as a parent, I said, which kid do you love? And you said, only the one that's listening to my station. As a father, I love all of my kids, regardless of what they're listening to. Some of you today, you're not listening to God's voice, but you're still God's kid. And here's what's so awesome about Jesus. Before, you're, before you are proud to say, God is my father, he's still proud to call you his kid. You are, you are maybe on the run today. I got news for you. You can run from God. I, I ran from God for about 18 years. I just could not outrun God. He is like an Ethiopian long-distance runner. Just goes and goes and goes. God's love, his mercy, his kindness, it will it'll wear you down. We were in Boise State. I was the chaplain for the football team. I, we, we saw a youth revival. We had 18,000 kids get saved in 10 years. 10 years. Documented 18,000 young people. 
And I told him when we first started with 12 kids at a biblical study center at Boise State University, I said, guys, we are going to wear down Boise State with love and invitations to church. I said, I, my dream is that people would go, I got to go to this church because you're the sixth person today to invite me to go to this church. What would it look like if you wore people down with love? Look, God, I don't care if you're an atheist. God loves you. I don't believe in God. I don't care. God loves you. Come to my church. No, you don't understand. I don't believe in God. No, you don't understand. God loves you. We have a server that was a young lady when we first started the church, and she invited everybody she waited on to Ocean's Church. And there was always that table that the guy's like, you know, he's like a, like a vegan crossfitter that has a gluten-free diet. You know those people because they tell you in the first sentence. Come on. What's your name? I'm Mark. I'm a vegan crossfitter that's uh, on a gluten-free diet. I'm an atheist too, by the way. Always got to go together. She said, I had this table. <laughs> I had this table and this guy was anti-God. And I said, you would love my church. She goes, no, I don't love God. I don't believe in God. She goes, oh, that's fine. You'd love my church. He's like, no, no, you should come this Sunday. She's like, the guy goes, no, no, you don't understand. I don't go to church. She said, no, no, you, no, you, you would love it though. <laughs> this guy was like, he was kind of like taken back at her persistence. He said, no, no, ma'am, you, I, don't, I, I, don't, I don't go to church. I don't, I don't believe in God. She goes, no, no, you understand. Even if you don't believe in God, you like my church. Some of you today, if we're being very honest, very honest, you would say, Mark, if you could define where I'm at right now, I'm moving, but I'm not moving towards God. I'm moving away from him. You got your boxes in your hands. God's saying, move into this property here, and you're kind of drifting the opposite direction. You know what's so good about God is he prepared a fish. And some of you today, you're moving against, you're moving from God. And the second thing we learn about Jonah is he didn't just move from God, he moved against God. Chapter 4, we see this story of this young man, this guy, Jonah, that actually doesn't just move from God, he moves against God. He starts arguing with God about his kindness. Now, I get it, I want to just give him a little bit of a pass. If you saw God having mercy on Nazi Germany and you're a Jew and you had family members that were lost, it's very likely that Jonah had family and friends that the Assyrians tortured and killed. So he probably has a pretty right reason to not want to see God have mercy. But the thing about God is, is he loves people more than we love plants. See Jonah here. Jonah gets upset because the only time we see this guy crack a smile is when that little plant comes up over his bald head. So happy. Thank you for my plant, God. So grateful for my plant. It's great to have this plant. It's getting me out of the shade. And all of a sudden, the Bible says that God sent a worm. And the worm destroys his little plant. And it's crazy. And hear, hear me very clearly right now. I believe that when you're living against God, you will not value things that God values. And you will value things that go, don't matter to God. Are you following me today? Be very clear today. I'm very clear. I, I, I think we should take care of our environment. I'm all about getting plastic out of the ocean, saving the rainforest. I think we got to steward the earth well. All God's people said. Can we all come on? Steward the earth well. But it is crazy sometimes when you're living against God, you will value dolphins, you'll value trees, you'll value, value forests, but you won't value human life. We don't value the sanctity of, of life in the womb. Jonah was living so antithetical to God's plan that he was passionate about a weed that was here today and gone tomorrow, but didn't care about souls that last for eternity. When you're moving against God, you won't value what God values. God loved the Ninevites. He goes, these people are wicked. They're evil. God says, they're my kids. You don't understand, God. They're, they're, they're doing things that are godless. He goes, you don't understand. They're still my kids. And listen to me very clearly today. God did not send Jonah there. To, I, I really believe this. God did not send Jonah to Nineveh just to judge it. God knew the response of that city. And I believe that his message was not a message of judgment. It was a message of, hey, if you hear the judgment, you will change. Sometimes human beings change faster when they feel the heat than when they see the light. 
And some of you today, you're like, Mark, I'm going against God. I don't value what he values. I don't care about the Bible. I don't care about the church. I don't, I don't even care about eternity. Listen to me. When you're living against, when you're moving against God, you will value things that are temporary. Some of you are obsessed with your stock portfolios, obsessed with your cryptocurrency, obsessed with retiring at 31 years old. Want to spend the rest of my life on a golf course. Why would you give so much affection and attention to what's temporary? And disregard. You plan for retirement, but you ain't planning for eternity? What's wrong with you? You're going against God. Paul said to God, he said, Saul goes, who are you, Lord? He says, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It's hard for you to kick against the goats. It's crazy. Sometimes you find yourself fighting with God. I'll tell you right now that you can, you can run from God. You just can't outrun him. And I'll tell you that God has prepared a fish, and he's prepared a plant, and he's also prepared a worm. I'm grateful not only for the plants that he's given me shade with. I'm grateful for the worms that have removed the things in my life that really don't matter. Some of you in this tent today, you had some worms. You had some people come into your life that stole some of your shade. You had some people in your life that actually created some shade. Come on, 21st century preaching. I believe that some of you today, you, we got to be grateful for the worms. God prepared a fish. God prepared a plant. God prepared a worm. Are you with me today? Some of you today, you don't know the joy of living in a conditional state of being passionate about God. Because you've never moved, you never stopped moving from God. Some of you, you've never stopped moving against God. Jonah does two things that are brilliant. Point three, I believe the greatest movers of all time are those that make up their minds to just say, God, very simply, I am going to start moving to you. Yes. Chapter one, he moves from. Chapter two, he moves, or chapter four, he moves against. Chapter three, in the well, he prays out, God, I want you. Yes. Some of you today, I feel the love of God coming in these tents. You know, it's interesting in Luke chapter 15, it's a story about the prodigal son, which I think is probably the worst named uh, part of the Bible. Because the story's not really about a crazy younger brother. It's actually not even about a crazy older brother. It's not the story of one lost son. It's a story of two lost sons. One kid is lost in the world, and one son is lost in the church. One is living godless. One is self-righteous. It should be called, not the story of the prodigal son, it should be called the story of the loving father. Scholars say that it's likely that Jesus was thinking about Jonah when he shared the story about the prodigal son. Because in Jonah chapter 1 and chapter 2, Jonah is living like the younger brother. Give me what belongs to me now. You can go and die, Dad. I'm going the opposite direction from your will. Chapter 2, he's on the run. He's fleeing from God. He is the younger son, spending all of his money at Vegas, putting everything on black, living in the penthouse suite of the Cosmo, spending all of his money in strip clubs. Jonah is doing the opposite of what God made him to do. And the last two chapters of Jonah, chapter 3, chapter 4, he turns into the older brother. The son of yours comes home. These people that have been spending their lives wickedly, you start... You start, you start offering them forgiveness and mercy. You're willing to give them the robe and the ring and sandals. You're, re, you're reinstating your love to these Assyrians. How dare you, God? Jonah is both the younger brother and the older brother. And I believe the day that we can be like, like, like the, the wise younger brother at the end of the story to make up our minds to return. One of my favorite stories in Luke 15 is when the younger brother said, he came to himself. I got, I got, I got, my dad's got a house cleaner. My dad's got a chef at home that lives better than me. And I'm out here dying with some bacon. Come on. He goes, I got to get back. I got to get back. Say with me, I got to get back. Come on, the keys, Stace, or whoever's playing, whoever keys today. I want to tell you as we close, you can actually run from God. You can run against God. You can move against God. You can, number three, you can make up your mind today to go, God, if I can know you at a 10, I'm not going to die at a six. I want you to catch, write this in your notes today. You determine how close you live to God. I'd be closer to God if I had a better pastor. If I was being discipled by people in bookstores and Barnes and Noble, then I wouldn't be relapsing into my sin. 
if I had Christian parents, if I had, if I had parents that were in, if I had, listen, you can make all the excuses you want, but I tell you this today, you choose how close you live to God. I'm a Christian for two reasons, other than God being real. I'm a Christian because I hate losing. I'm competitive. I don't get why you'd want to be a witch, a warlock, why you'd want to be into psychics, mediums, soothsayers. That stuff's real, but it's, it's the back of the bus. It's the cheap seats. It's a second-class power. Why would you want to serve Wicca? Why would you be in a sorcery? Why would you be in all this satanic worship? There's really devil worship? Yeah, there's really, there's, there is devil. My friend was on an airplane. And this guy was fasting on the plane, and my friend's a pastor, and he said, oh, you're fasting? He says, yeah. He goes, I'm, I'm a believer too. And the guy goes, I'm not a believer, I'm a Satanist. He said, our satanic church is fasting against pastors and their families right now. It's real. Satan is real. Darkness is real. But again, it's real, but it's weaker. My grandma and grandpa were missionaries in Japan and China. They had a crown Victoria. Come on, hashtag forward back of the crown victoria had a sticker it said i know the future god wins why would you anyways god wins i'm also i'm also a believer because i like team sports but i also like individual sports christianity is i would say in, in, in many ways allegorically speaking it's a team sport that we are the big c church the body of christ but i also love the fact that it's still individual that you can be a part of a great church, but you can also have a great personal connection with God. Right? Almost finished. Almost finished. I want to tell you today that he made up his mind to move to God. He moved to God. He came to himself. He begins to cry out from the belly of the well. And in chapter 3, which I believe this is my prayer for Ocean's Church, is like Jonah, we would be a church that doesn't just move to God, Many Christians, they stop at this idea of, I repented, I asked Jesus to forgive me, I asked to be a part of his kingdom, and God got me into his kingdom, now what? Some people think that the goal of life is just getting saved. Getting saved is like going to Disneyland and paying the admission to get into the gates. Once you're in the gates, that's when the fun starts. Some people live their whole lives just to get into the entry gates. Get the picture by the Rose Garden, come on. Anybody else get that $60 picture? Anybody else? Christianity is not about just getting saved, believing in God. It's about, number four, it's about not just moving to God. It's about moving with God. He comes into Nineveh. Signs and wonders start following. Hey, you guys better get it together. Judgment's coming. He goes into those 15 gates. Over three days, he proclaims the message that God gave him. And I love the story about Jonah. Are you still with me today? Watch what happens here. Is he doesn't just he doesn't just go to God in the well. He starts he starts going on mission with God. What is Jonah about? It's about revival. What's revival about? It's about grace. It's about God's love bringing races together. And it's about God sending all of us on a mission. Do you know that you're all missionaries in this tent? I thought missionaries have to go overseas. No, 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 no. We need missionaries in boardrooms. We need, we need missionaries in courtrooms. We need missionaries in classrooms. We need missionaries in gym rooms. Are you hearing me today? We, we need missionaries. What, what is a missionary? A missionary is someone that's been revived, that's living their life with God. Say it with me, with God. You wake up in the morning, you say, Holy Spirit, what are we gonna do today? What do you wanna do today? Who do you want me to love on today? Who do you want me to encourage today? Who do you want me to bless today? Who do you want me to pray for today? I'm living with God. Where are the people moving with God? I'm so grateful, man. I'm grateful that Orange County has some beautiful, some powerful, some strong people that are moving with God. There's a new season, I sense it. There's, there's people that God's gonna raise up out of this house. This church will produce governors. This church will produce mayors. This church will produce people that change, change uh, even educational paradigms. Ocean's Church will be a church that raises up the missionary. Authors, speakers, business leaders, entrepreneurs, are you hearing me today? God is looking to wake up his church. Gates of hell won't prevail against it. 
so grateful, man. I'm grateful for the circles. I'm grateful for, for the needs. I'm, I'm grateful, man, for, 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 for Doug and Lydia. I'm, I'm grateful that there's people in this church that are walking not just to God, they're walking with Him. I think that we believe a lie sometimes that we go, Mark, I would die for my faith. If you're not fully living for God right now, you would never die for Him. I have these conversations, it's funny, we live in, in the wake of 2020, so you're having all these apocalyptic conversations. What's going to happen? Is the mark of the beast coming? I got this question a lot lately. Pastor Mark, do you think the end is coming? I'm like, well, we're at least 24 hours closer today than we were yesterday at this time. I don't know when the end's coming, but I do know this, is that if you're not willing to obey God fully right now, you would never stand for Him when times get turbulent. No, I would. If they knocked on my door and said, deny, deny, get the mark of the beast or die, I would die for my faith. You won't even join a small group. You come to church when there's nothing else going on on Sundays. You don't even tithe. You, you give more money to Starbucks each week than you do to the local church. You're not going to die. For, listen, I'm sorry. I'm not trying to burst your bubble. I'm just trying to tell you the truth. In this church, we'd rather smack you with truth than kiss you with lies. We got to be a church that's fully walking with God. God, you got my marriage. You got my babies. You got my finances. My career's in your hands. My finances are in your Everything I own belongs to you. Where is that church that's fully revived? You show me a church that's walking with God, and I'll show you a church that's worth coming back to return, to save. God's going to do something in Orange County. I can feel it. I was with a great man of God named Mike Maiden this week for lunch, and he said, Mark, every time I fly into Orange County right now, I can feel like a volcano. This guy's very prophetic. He said, Mark, it's like a volcano that you can feel this spiritual eruption getting ready to go off. He said, when it does, he said, this whole region, 3.2 million people are going to be rocked by the power of the grace, the miracle power of Jesus Christ. Come on, if you believe it, stand your feet, give me a hand clap and a shout. Hey! Mighty God. Mighty God. I want to pray for you today. I felt really clear today that we're going to be a church that doesn't just walk to God, we're going to walk with God. But before you walk with Him, can I just ask you a question today, real, real quick? Can I ask you a really honest question? Are you living your life today like Jonah, going away from God? Maybe you're here and you go, Mark, look, I'm not only going away from Him, I feel like I'm fighting against God. Some people tell me, they go, Mark, I don't know about Ocean's Church. Sometimes I feel challenged. Sometimes I feel convicted when you preach. I don't like feeling uncomfortable. And I always tell them the same thing. I say, well, I, don't, I feel uncomfortable at the gym. When my trainer, Gemini, from American Gladiator, gets done eating the weights at the gym, starts challenging me to pick up more weight, push up more weight, when my trainer challenges me and I start sweating, I pay him for it. You ever had that moment like, I'm paying you to torture me? I'll be honest, man. Can I just ask a question? If God can't challenge and correct you in church, where can you be challenged and corrected? Let me ask you another question. If you had bad plans on Wednesday this week, Thursday this week. Some of you are like, I'm going to cut a corner of my business. I'm going to stab someone in the back. I'm going to gossip. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have an affair this week. I'm going to do something that's going to ruin my life. Listen to me. If God could not correct you here, challenge you here, where in the world would he challenge us? I'm grateful for the seasons of my life that God's thrown me overboard. And I'm grateful for the seasons of my life that God sent a fish. Today's the day I feel it. Some of you, you feel like God's thrown you outside of where you wanted to be, but he's got a fish that's getting ready to take care of you. If you're going away from God, against God today, and you say, Mark, I want to turn to him, and I want to start living my life with God. If you're atheist, agnostic, or maybe you used to believe, but you just kind of given up on God, today, you want to recommit your faith to Jesus. Whether you're online or you're in the room, I want to pray for you. Fill his presence. Would you close your eyes? Holy Spirit, we invite you. I pray you'd speak to every heart right now. I pray for anyone that needs to get right with you. Give them the courage to respond today.
let them not miss the bus. Some people in this room, this might be the last time they're in church the rest of their life. Let them not miss this moment. Let your goodness bring them to repentance. I pray right now, if you need to rededicate your life to God, or for the very first time, put your faith in Jesus. I'm going to ask you to raise your hands on the count of three. Mark, I want to get right with Jesus. Or Mark, I want to rededicate my life to Jesus. Would you do me a favor? I'm going to count to three. You can start raising your hands. I'm going to count to three. Just go ahead and raise your hands right now. I'm not going to embarrass you. One, all over the room. Hands are going up. I love it. Heart's beating out of your chest. That's me. Two, real high. Raise your hands. That's me. That's me. Right now, everybody that's going to respond, respond. Keep it real high. Three, real high, real high, real high. Three, four, five, real high. Six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, real high. Twelve, thirteen, real high. Fourteen, anybody else? Fourteen hands. Fourteen, fifteen hands. Anybody else? So good. So good. Hey, Oceans, would you pray this prayer with me today? All over the room. If you're online right now, I'd encourage you to write heart. H-E-A-R-T. Or we live in the 21st century, so you can write emoji, heart, just a little heart there. You want to rededicate your heart to God, just write heart right now. Look, there's a couple online right now. Let's go ahead and write heart. We have people online that would love to pray for you. If you're in the room right now, do me a favor. Let's pray this prayer together. Say, Jesus, I ask you, come into my life. I turn to you, and I want to live with you. Come on, say it like you mean it. From this day forward, be my leader, my Lord, my Savior, and my closest friend. I invite you now in Jesus' name. We'll sing uh, Jaira just a second, but just bring down just a second for a second. I want to I want to tell you something that God told me this week. I was praying and he said, Mark, that there was people this week. I know God can do whatever he wants, whatever he wants, but for some reason he really focused me in on. He told me very clearly, he said, Mark, I want you to pray specifically for people that have cardiovascular issues uh, with your heart. Heart issues, heart disease. Uh, someone that had a heart attack, you maybe had a surgery on your heart, there's some sort of uh, valve that's that's messed up, maybe you have an irregular heartbeat, maybe there's people in your family that have died young because of a heart issue. God said, I would heal hearts this Sunday. He told me it very clearly. It's actually a lady after first service that's supposed to go in tomorrow, had a heart attack two weeks ago. God touched her in her first service. So if you're here today, heart issues, and I'm going to go a step further to say, if you're here and you say, Mark, my natural heart's fine, but my spiritual arteries are clogged. I feel like I got spiritual grease in my heart that's preventing me from turning to God. Pray that God softens my heart today, washes my heart today. If you feel like God today, if you have, if you have a heart issue, physical or spiritual, I want you to raise your hand right now. We're going to pray. I believe that heart, you're not going to die in your 40s like your parents not going to die in your 50s like your grandparents. I believe that we're going to be a church that has healthy hearts. Someone's hands up next to you. Just tell me, put your hand on your shoulder right now. Put your hand on their shoulder right now. Pray this prayer with me, church. Say, in Jesus' name. Come on, all over ocean, say, in Jesus' name. We ask you and we pray that you would heal any and every condition of their heart. No more baggage, blockage, disease or deformity we pray creative miracles right now in their heart in Jesus name let them live a long full life and when they do go to heaven let it not be heart related in Jesus name I believe that he's doing it right now you felt in your body come on would you give me a hand clap real quick for that yeah 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 we're gonna do one last thing as we close today. I'm gonna sing a song, but if you're here, we pray every week for people that get healed. Every week, people get healed. Every week, new people show up because they say, my best friend got healed last week. Why does God heal? I think it's because it's free advertisement. God heals you, you'll tell somebody about it. If you need a physical healing in your body, other than your heart even today, I just want you to lift your hands. I'm gonna pray for miracles today. You're trying to have kids. You're here today, you have an issue with your thyroid. You have some sort of chronic back pain, sciatic nerve issue. Raise your hand right now. I'm going to ask God right now, on the count of three, I'm going to ask Him to put His power in your hands. And all I want you to do is, is I want you by faith to go, God, I receive your touch. 
And after I pray, I want you to put your hand on whatever part of your body that needs to be healed, okay? We're going to sing one last song, and then we're going to finish up this morning. Hands in the air if you need healing. God, I pray every week. I've never healed anybody. But every week, God, when we pray, you heal people. So we call on Jehovah Rophe, who is our healer. We call on the God that heals hearts, heals minds, prevents strokes. God gives feeling back to areas that have nerve damage. I pray for the spine that's crooked. I pray for the, for the, uh, the, the liver that's damaged. I ask you for creative miracles to break out. Blind eyes opening up, deaf ears opening up. Heal today in Jesus' mighty name. Put your power in their hands in Jesus' name. Go ahead right now. One, two, and three. Just come on. Put your hand on your body. Let's sing this song as we close. He's here. He's here. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Have a great week.